see. We will see indeed. Okay, welcome to Stirring the Pot with Lucas Acida. Joining me today is somebody you've probably never heard before on this podcast or on another podcast that I'm on or on a podcast that he has. But across from me is the one and only Nate Talent. Hello. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Are I can't you, complain. Are you excited to stir the pot? Yeah, I'm excited for like, I guess, the first actual episode that I'll be on, you know, whenever I'm on, it's kind of, which I have no problem with, but it's always like a top 10 list or something. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that uh, it was about time to have you on and truly stir the pot. No, gosh. Um, no, but the first thing that I wanted to uh, to talk with you about, I mean, obviously the obvious choices would be we could talk about some of the films that we've worked on or just that sort of thing, but I'm throwing that, I'm putting it on the back burner for now. Okay. I want, the name of the game right now is Expectations. Okay. And so it's just something I've been thinking about for a while because I remember that there was a certain point in my life where, probably middle school, but I think we were all there where... Um, I was maybe a little bit too judgmental. You know, you meet somebody and just first impression, you know, without even talking with them, you think, oh, that guy's a tool or look at the way this person's dressed. And then you go and you meet somebody and you're like, wow, I couldn't have been more wrong. And you're kind of one of those examples for me. You so. thought I was a tool? No, no. <laughs> but it's just, um, I'm trying to think of how I would describe it. You just, uh, I guess looks can be deceiving in a sense because you look at you and you're like, okay, this guy might be a little bit of a nerdy dude, um, maybe an introvert, which maybe you might agree with that you're an introvert, but, like, we go out for drinks, and then you're the first person to do karaoke. So it's like you kind of play both sides of that. And I also think it's interesting because I know your brother, and you are the older brother, and just we kind of have these expectations of you see a movie or something, you think of the older brother. You think of the bigger, you know, I don't know, not broodier, but you're just a small guy. Mm-hmm. You're actually shorter than Nick. Yep. But you're not that, what, you're only a couple of years older than Nick. I'm two. So I'm 23, he's 21. Does that, um, I guess my first question is, does that surprise you at all that maybe people's first impressions of you are uh, maybe that, I guess? No, I I think that that makes perfect sense, honestly. I mean, I got glasses, I'm skinny, mm-hmm. I'm average height. I look like the average stereotypical nerd, which is why a lot of times people would say, you know, hey, you look like Peter Parker, because that's literally how he was made is to be generic white nerd number one. Mm -hmm. So it's like I take it as a compliment because that's my favorite fictional character of all time. But also I'm like, yeah, of course I do, because that's exactly what they there's a million people that look like Peter Parker out there. Um, I think that I'm kind of I wouldn't say I'm necessarily an introvert where I don't get necessarily drained from hanging out with people i know plenty of people that need like some cool downtime mm-hmm. i prefer hanging out with people than being alone of course i love my alone time but pretty much everyone loves their alone time um but uh i think it just takes a little bit and i compare myself to max burke in this way okay. but not in terms of craziness like max burke mm-hmm. but in terms of um just kind of how i assess a situation is by spending more time with a person, I get to see what I can be with this person, if that makes sense. Of course, the goal is to always be yourself, and I feel like I always am myself with other people, but it's like, I can be like, oh, this is a person I can have fun with. Oh, this is a person I need to be more professional with, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So the more time I spend with someone, that's usually why they see, like, when we're out at a bar, dude, like, I don't know, that's like peak relaxation time where I can just 
do whatever I want. Where I'm here, I feel like I dial it back a little bit, but still I'm here singing Disney songs and whatnot. So it's still that same kind of thing. Um, But I mean, in high school, all the time, people kind of were like, you know, everyone has that first impression of me. But then the friends that I did hang out with knew the actual type of person I was. Where it's like, I'm not, I think there's a time and place for everything. Okay. Um, And uh, the time to belt some tunes is when you're out at a bar with some buddies. No, I think that makes sense. I guess the the next thing I wanted to ask you kind of touched on a little bit. Um, So were you, would you consider yourself an introvert when you were in school, like high school? I wouldn't say introvert. I saw like a tweet recently that I pretty much related to where someone, it was like a thing where it's like, be honest, were you popular in high school? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say I wasn't popular. I wouldn't say I was popular. I was friends with pretty much everyone. I was friends with the people that weren't so popular. I was friends with the people on the football team. But I was close friends with people right down the middle, just like me, you know? But I also had some good friends on both sides of the spectrum. So I wouldn't say that I was necessarily an introvert because I definitely kind of what it sought out opportunities to hang out with people. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't try to box myself into something and not hang out with people or not reach out because I always wanted to hang out with people. Um, But it also wouldn't bother me if no one wanted to hang out. I wasn't disappointed if people were busy over the weekend or something like that. I feel like it's kind of, or just the word popularity in general, especially associated with school. Um, it kind of comes with some extra baggage, which it can mean a couple different things. So like when somebody says, were you popular in high school? That makes me instantly think like your jocks and your, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. just like that, those sort of clicks, you know, the pretty girl click. And then there's football team and just the sport like when i think of popular i don't know why the first thing i think of is that but in reality popular is like does everybody know you yeah and in that respect i think i relate with you that i did play sports but at the same time i had a ton of friends that didn't as well yeah and you brought it up a little bit but i had a kind of interesting uh situation in my life where nick is bigger than me uh he's taller than me and he was way more popular than me in high school so it was one of those things where it's supposed to be the other way around, but mm-hmm. I would be Talon's brother, Yeah, which was interesting. Even to the people in my class that knew Nick would be like, oh, you're Nick's brother. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. So it was that kind of weird dynamic where, um, I don't know. And it for some reason, it like never bothered me. That would be, I feel like something that would bother some people, but I didn't care. I'm like, sure. Hey, no, more people know me. Great. Oh, more people know me. Great. Um, but then that was kind of how it always was. And, Hey, good for Nick. I mean, he was homecoming king. He was was he really? Yeah, he was all that sort of jazz. So everyone knew Nick, and it was interesting too because he really didn't. After a couple of years, he didn't play sports towards the latter half of yeah. his high school life, and that's probably when he was at peak popular Nick. Um, but it, once if you and he's been on the podcast too. Once you see him, you understand why people like everyone knew who he was. You know, I just went. Um we just went to Planet, well, we took a trip to Iowa City to visit Avery at U of I. And, uh, I mean, we introduced him to, like, her roommates and stuff, and we just ran into a few people. And he, like, freaking owned the room. Oh, yeah, dude. I was, it was just, because, like, we think of Nick as just this goofy guy. When he shows up, it's like, oh, man, he can't have a serious conversation. Because, I mean, he's really funny, but you just don't know where it's going to go. Um but no, he freaking owned it, and it's like everyone he met put a smile on their face, and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. that's there's it's funny just saying like there's just some people that are really good at this sort of thing. Yeah, and it's and it's weird because you know a lot of times when people think of Nick and I, 
they're like, oh my God, you're brothers. I can't believe it. But we honestly have a lot of similarities. And I think the more you hang out with us together, you start to see that. And I think I do take on the older brother role in the terms of, I think, and this isn't me tooting my own horn, but I'm way more mature than Nick. And -hmm. I think that makes me dial back certain things that he does. But when we're going back and forth and stuff like that, it's, I think it becomes very apparent that we're brothers and we kind of have similar views on life and how we interact with people and certain things. Nick, of course, just his mind's racing. I'm sure he's got ADHD or something and I don't have that. But um, yeah, I think we're, yeah, we're one of the same in a way, which is sad and positive at the same time. Well, that's one thing I definitely wanted to kind of pick your brain about specifically just because I have two older sisters, but they're both like 10 years older mm-hmm. than I am. Um, I kind of got to live that Brady Bunch style life through my buddy Riley, who had uh, two brothers and a sister, and then they were really close with their cousins. It's just like that whole family was mm-hmm. just so close that I kind of, I didn't really have that growing up, which is fine. You know, it's not like I uh, look back at my childhood like, man, I wish I had that because yeah. I got to experience it. But what was that like for you? I mean, I'm sure that Nick as a kid is, I can't even imagine. Nick, so, so like you as an older brother as a kid, what was that like? Did so you... it like about the early years, it's very typical brother relationship up until about middle school ish era so did you not get along then you're just i mean we got along but we'd also fight all the time but then like middle school into early high school we hated each other really like we actually hated each other like we wouldn't like there'd be those glimmers of like us having fun but most of the time it was like we just didn't talk to each other every time we every time we talked it was fights but it was because Nick was going through some, some stuff. So he would t- lash it out on us. And I was like, what is your problem, dude? Like, I never did anything wrong to you and you're like this. And then he started dating Emily and things changed. So I'll always... Oh, wait, so it was up until that point? Yeah, so I'll always oh, kind of hold that dear. And it's also because he started... Um, we couldn't be more different at that part. He was kind of... And, you know, there's positives in each group. But mm-hmm. he was a, he was very much a jock, very much a tool. Like, a, no joke. Like, we're talking... Don't sweat my swag. Nike shirts with the socks rolled up to his freaking knees, and he's wearing Jordans and stuff like that. The slip-ons, Nike. Oh yeah, that too. Like for sure. Socks and sandals, baby. But he was like very much um, a tool, and he would he'd be the first to admit it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he he started all of a sudden. I got into movies, and then a couple years later, he got into movies, and he got into the filmmaking process and creative stuff like that. Um, And then he started dating Emily and. Hey, still to this day, he'll admit it as well. Emily's like so far above Nick, I don't even know, but they they get along and it works. And she changed him for the better, which is uh, all you can ever ask for in a relationship, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always have like, yeah, you helped out that relationship between us because Nick became a better person. Um, and ever since then, he's kind of just been like how it always ends up, I feel, with brothers where it's like they're your best friend no matter what, where it's like, Yep, they're always going to be there. Like you, like it's almost like you can't get rid of them, so you might as well like them. But yeah. then it turns out that we do just like each other. Mm-hmm. And trust me, there's times, though, where I get pissed off at him because oh, he reverts back to 10-year-old Nick. I got to see a little taste of it the other day, which oh, was kind of cool. Oh, my God. Get out of here, Nick. <laughs> Jesus. He get, he has attacks. Like I'm, not, I'm, I'm positive that they're like these attacks okay. where he has these attention deficit attacks <laughs> and he just goes to a place that there's no recovering from. And he's like that for like half an hour, mm-hmm. an hour, and then he just goes back to normal. So I don't know what it is, but he, he, like it will happen sometimes. Then he'll be like, 
yeah, I had an outburst. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, you did. But you guys still live together. Is that is that dynamic like evolved over time? Like, I mean, I know he kind of no, it's, into your the, room. it's the same thing <laughs> all the time. Uh, nowadays, it's kind of because he's working the night job too, and then I get home and I see each other, him for like two hours or whatever, and then we go our separate ways. But it's pretty much been the same where he always busts in my room and bugs me. Like, and then other days, it's just no, he's just in his room watching something. Sometimes I'm just trying to enjoy a show or a movie, he busts in my room and starts talking to me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll talk to you about this. Other times it's about the stupidest thing you can imagine. But mm-hmm. that's what you're going to get when you have a little brother, I suppose. Like, that's what you're just going to get. Yeah. I'm wondering, it's uh, it's almost interesting to me to think in the future when you're not living with him, if you're going to miss that constant attention. Know, I don't think attention. so. I will, I will miss, you know, having the talks with him. But I will not miss him telling me to take my shirt off because it's his. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, I will when I get... When I'm done cooking my dinner, mm-hmm. I'm in. The, I'm using the oven, and he's like, "Take off my shirt," and then he follows me all the way downstairs. Mm-hmm. I have plate. I have like, I could spill this stuff all over the floor, and he's just like trying to grab the shirt and take it off. I said, "Just, I'm going to take it off. Just wait till I get my room." And he literally followed me into my room until I took off this freaking shirt, and then he was fine. So sometimes I have no idea what's going through this man's head. You know, I think it's fun. Well, like. I just, this is how I imagine this playing out. Because, like, think uh, you're on your own. You know, maybe you miss him a little bit, but you're like, wow, finally peace. You settle down and you have a kid, and the kid is just like, hey, oh, I don't, just, why would you put that curse on me? <laughs> but just, it's like, I just can't even imagine. But it also makes me happy to think about, like, I'll be excited one day to think, like, uh, when you have kids and they're like, oh, is Uncle Nick coming over? And then they're like, oh, even the kids are like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, imagine what, what his, what if they're flipped? What if your kid's crazy and his kid's totally normal? Honestly, probably going to happen. But it was always that thing growing up when my mom would get mad at Nick. She's like, I hope you have kids just like you. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I don't know how Nick would, I think Nick would be a great dad. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know how those kids would be, <laughs> man. Because <laughs> I don't think they could outdo Nick's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know how that I don't would even, be. Because he's already on 11, so I don't yeah. know how you get higher than that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they would just be calm. That'd be for real. Like, and they'd be like embarrassed really of the dad. Because yeah, they would. They'd be like, oh, no. Oh, here he comes. Parent-teacher conference. No, you don't You don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Just call my mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's kind of how it was for um, for me is that with parent-teacher conferences, my, my dad was the one that would only – he's the only one that would go. My mom just – said fuck that mm-hmm. and then i got to a certain age and they just stopped going off yeah that's how it goes this is like no one really cares once it's at a certain point were you a good student oh yeah was nick a good student yeah you both are good students yeah hmm. that was okay that was fine i w- i was definitely i fell off towards the end mm-hmm. but not like were you oh, i guess i never failed a class in high school or anything did you um i guess how prepared were you for college I was pretty prepared. I took honors classes and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so you were on that shit. Yeah, and like I got one of the first classes that I took at Rock Valley was a psychology class, uh-huh. and it was literally identical to the psychology class I took. So I was like, that I already knew, and a lot of um, science and stuff I knew. Um, but yeah. I just, um, I don't know. I think it's such a tricky thing for kids that 
maybe aren't that prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I think I was one of those. You just go where your friends want to go, and you have an idea of what you want to do, but kind of getting it's just the whole financial level of things. That's that it's, I was not prepared for that. That's the thing that, because in all honesty, you're gonna have to take gen ed classes. Yeah, and you're not gonna get around that. And a lot of those are a lot like high school classes. So a lot of people go to college in their first year, like, oh, it's just like high school, blah 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 blah. Um, but it's not really what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. like the other stuff. Yeah. Like it's weird having to think, okay, how am I going to pay for toilet paper this week? And just random mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like the living aspect of things or even paying for school in the first place. You know, work, having a job and going to school at the yeah. same time. I feel like those are the things that, which I don't know necessarily. Like do you think that they do it well in high school, kind of pr- setting you up oh, for the future? Oh, absolutely not. I don't I. There's some classes. I was like, there's some classes that I took. Like, there's like career services and um, intro to business or whatever I took in high school that kind of helped. But like a lot of stuff, it's like I still have no real clue how certain things in the real world work that I feel like I should know. Um, Like when it comes to bank stuff, I have no idea what's happening. Well, my dad worked at a bank, so thankfully you got that insider info. A little bit. I mean, he just kind of looks over me and says, "What are you doing? This, 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 and this." so I'm not going to say I really know what's going on, but I can make that mobile f- shout-out when I need to because my dad used to work at a credit union, and then my buddy Tony right now also works at a bank. There you go. So I got it in, in those regards. When If I look at a contract that says something, and I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Mm-hmm. I say, oh, I'll have to call my agent, and then I'll get back to you. But we got a lot of stuff to get to. I can see your notebook, and I'm a little intimidated. It's fine. That's fine. It's more or less, it's not broad notes, it's more questions. Okay. So normally I'm just, I just broadly write stuff. So it's not as intimidating as it looks. Okay. But uh, I mean, I can't have you on and not talk about acting. Why? Because you're in everything down here. You're literally in every movie. You can't get away from it. Yeah. It's like a running joke in the advanced video class that they can't have you in their movie because. Which makes me sad, but at the same time, yeah, good. Well, yeah, if it's the advanced video, I wouldn't want any, yeah. any part of them. But uh, when did that start? I mean, obviously, I know you got into movies later um, in your life, but did you always, did you ever have like a little taste of acting? Oh, yeah. I mean, my entire life, I've been playing make-believe. Literally my entire life. Mm-hmm. Every single day when I'm hanging out with my friends, we would create these characters and superheroes and interesting worlds, and then I'd, we'd act it out. Um, it was never something that... Mainly because I knew it was a risky career path. Um, it was never something that I necessarily wanted to do professionally, um, but I always loved doing it. I don't think I'm necessarily good either. How I think it got started down here is that um, a lot of times people quit or the actors are the hardest part to get locked down for a movie. And I'm a pretty reliable person and I'm available. Mm-hmm. So people would always, either someone would fall through or there'd be a small part and they just say, hey, Nate, are you available for this weekend? We got to shoot. I'd say, yeah, sure, send me the script. And that's how I'm in everything is because people just need an actor and I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first like role that you got? Oh, God. Um, On camera, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I never did anything off camera. Um, probably one of the... I don't know. You don't remember what your first thing was? No. I don't even... It's got to be the worst thing I've ever done, but... Is that out there somewhere? I don't know. One of the... I know one of the... F- I don't even know. Like, because I remember doing stuff before that one, too. But there is one that's out there, which is like an Evil Dead parody that I'm... Oh, but is like, that, that's But not, that's not the first thing that I've done. Does but that that's have pretty to do with early. bread? Yeah. 
but that's pretty early in me acting and stuff but yeah i don't i really don't remember which is weird mm-hmm. a lot of people can tell you the first thing but everything just blurs the lines and goes together have you ever directed anything and had to act in it no never never okay well i was gonna ask you about what that's like but no i honestly i can i could probably do it um but i just have to be my the thing with that is you have to be surrounded by people i feel that you completely trust because you really can't see what it looks like until that's after the scary the fact. thing is yeah. that like, like i've done it just because obviously most of the stuff that i've done actually everything i've done i've written um so i know exactly what it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. so of course naturally if i can't find anybody or if nobody's strong enough to do it, it's like i'll just do it yeah. and then we'll get it done yeah um but yeah no just not knowing what it looks like is kind of a scary thing yeah you just got to surround yourself with people that and you even trust. with people that you do trust you know it's like okay we're all somebody's got to hold this and do this mm-hmm. how does it look and they're like yeah it looks good and you look at it and you're like what the f- i know you've done good stuff what the heck is going on here so no, I think that that's an understatement that you have to be yeah. comfortable with the yeah. crew. That's and I think you. it comes with a lot of pre-production as well, making sure that they know exactly what you want. Um, I guess yeah. that's another. You thing don't want to leave any gray area because it's if it, I, when you're directing something, it's your vision, and if you're acting in it too, you want to make sure that your vision's still realized. So, I suspect that there need to be no gray area. You tell them exactly, you show them exactly, um, and then that will be it. What kind of things turn you off as an actor, just in the sense, like, like does it offend you if, like, the director says, no, this is how it's supposed to be, and then they say the line? Because um, I know some people kind of get offended by that sort of thing. Look, so I kind of, which is interesting to say, and I'm not, like I said, I don't think I'm good, but I'm not uh, comparing myself to this actor. But I do agree with how he views the process, and I watched something with Willem Dafoe recently, and he said that he kind of just sees himself as a tool. Mm-hmm. for the director to complete their vision. And that's all I'm here for. That's why I feel fine like being a last resort or being someone goes to so that they can make this thing. It's because it's like, otherwise your thing wouldn't be able to be made. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's why I'm fine with that. And yeah, sometimes they'll say, this is how it's supposed to be said. I was like, well, that's stupid, but I guess I'll say it that way because that's how you want it to be said. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't bother me in that way. Of course, if I was directing it, I may do something differently, but I'm not directing it. I'm acting in it. And that's what their vision is. And I'm sure there's a bunch of different relationships that you can have with a director where they might trust you enough to kind of take it your own spin on it. Um, But also, I don't think it offends me or kind of gets under my skin if someone says, no, this is how you should say it. Now, if they get pissed off and they be aggressive with it, nah, screw you, dude. Just tell me nicely and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever had anything like that happen? No. No. I haven't seen anything like that done. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen anybody get mad. No. I mean... I think that, I don't know, that that's just a bigger issue and is maybe you're not cut out if you're going to get mad at people. I don't know. Would, so just in general, I mean, obviously we like to have some direction, but do you like to know every single deed? Like, for example, we're talking uh, marriage stories coming out, and we watched a video. Um, it, was, it was that Actors on Actors. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson was talking about how Noah Baumbach has every single thing pla- like planned out. I every, mean, every mannerism. Like everything, how you're supposed to phrase stuff. Do you prefer something like that specific, or would you be more comfortable kind of having like, okay, here's the idea, and you ha- you kind of have the freedom to kind of play with it however you want. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of. I feel like I'm pretty flexible when it comes to that stuff. I love rehearsing stuff and getting it down like that. So yeah. in a way, I like to get with the details and know what I'm gonna do before I do it. I like because um, uh, I came from a theater background, kind of. I mean, I. I don't want to say that and make it sound like I have this big resume, but I did like 
three or four shows when I was in high mm-hmm. school and afterwards. And uh, I'm really comfortable with uh, rehearsals and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think in that aspect, yeah, I like when I like when the director tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. But I also like if they're just like, oh, I give you your spin on it. I'm fine with that. But do what do I prefer? Probably what the director wants because I want to make at the end of the day, I want to make sure it's what they want. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do something that they don't really like, and they'll look back on it and be like, oh, I should have told them to do something differently. It's like, no, tell me now. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm here for. After a take, literally after every single take, I'm like, do you have any notes? And if they say, oh, no, yeah, that's fine. I was like, no, think about it. Is there any other way that you would want me to change this? Mm-hmm. Because that I'm like seriously looking for it because I want it to be what your vision is. Yeah. Because I, I mean, when I'm directing something, I want it to be what I want it to be. And if it's not like that, I'm going to tell you, let's try it this way. Let's try it this way because I don't want to settle for it. It's interesting because, I mean, we acted in something together where mm-hmm. we had to give – pretty chewy you know it was pretty heavy dialogue back and forth and it was really tough just in the sense it's like i don't even know what this like it's different just not knowing how a shot's framed up and like what did it actually look like Mm -hmm. did we get what we needed but like chemistry is something that's really hard to to nail on camera and if you can't see it it's like i have no idea how comfortable we look and that sort of thing you know i'm looking at you you're looking at me i think that that's something that um I've run into where it's like, I mean, let's just keep trying to get it, you yeah. know? And I think that's the thing, too, where I think that there's this whole, I don't know, I don't want to say stereotype or anything like that because it's not really a stereotype. It's just something that I've noticed with especially a lot of up-and-coming filmmakers is that, you know, they kind of want to have their toes in everything. And sometimes, like, maybe that's not for you, and sometimes it's just not, not even a good idea. So I can see maybe, sorry about that, I can see maybe that, like, um, you know, I can completely understand if, yeah, of course you want to act in the script that you wrote, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe sometimes it's better to just direct it, mm-hmm. you know, direct it or act in it and have someone else direct it. Because then I think that's smart to kind of, I see a lot of people that want to write it, shoot it, edit it, all this stuff. And it's like, it's good to have some other hands in there as well. Yeah. Otherwise, it just becomes like kind of this closed box that... um I don't know. And I think think like just the whole filmmaking process needs to be collaborative. So I think that people, especially these younger kids that we see down here and stuff too, they want to ha- they want to have their hands in everything. And I don't think that's smart at all. So I think that it's I don't even think you need to be ashamed at all if you want to just say, "Look, I'm not comfortable directing a scene that I'm acting in. Mm-hmm. I find it difficult." Yeah, cuz it's hard. Mm-hmm. And like that's why you don't see like a lot of that. And when you do, Either it's like, oh, yeah, that was all right. But when you get those ones that it is, like, awesome, then that's when you get the praise that. Because, I mean, there's countless movies. Like, look at, I mean, it's a terrible, it's a terrible example. But The Room, it's like, that's freaking terrible. <laughs> like, how could you ever think that's a good idea? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if you just directed it. But, I don't know, it'd take away the magic. But, still, it'd be a bad movie, but it wouldn't be as bad. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You just kind of got to observe what's happening. Know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. And, of course, you can keep trying stuff. But for certain things, I think it's completely fine to take a step back and say, I'm just going to direct this one. Because, yeah, I think it's hard when you're acting in a scene. Because, like, it sounds pretentious or whatever, but it's like I'm focused on this. I'm focused on what I'm doing right now. I'm not thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. So then to also have that brain of, all right, was after it, it's like, was that good? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again. Or it's like you watch it back and then you're like, okay, let's try it again. What would you change? It's like, I don't really know, but it just wasn't there. Like it's like, it's sometimes it's better to just sit there and watch it as it plays out 
and then you can make a note of yeah, every small little you, thing. You're kind of getting the atmosphere of yeah, the whole thing as exactly. well. I mean, that's something that I kind of ran into when I was at Columbia, just because everything I did, I acted in. Yeah. Um, and that's just mostly due to I didn't really know a lot of people that would act. Um, and maybe I wanted to kind of flex those muscles yeah. too because I had acted previously yeah. in theater and stuff. Um, but when I came here, um, I wanted to just – it was it's exhausting to act and direct something. Um, so it's like I just want to try and my best to get the same performance when I'm just behind the camera. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's mostly what I've done while I'm here. I mean, like I said before, we did something – um, but it's really interesting to kind of get both sides of it because um, you really you can it, it kind of helps relate to some of your actors. And yeah, I think that that helps, too. No, for sure. I think that it's important for every director to know how it is acting in front of the camera. Yeah. Do you notice that very when, when there's a director that hasn't acted before and you're like, OK, like, do you, do you notice those little differences? Um, my thing is that I wouldn't know unless I was on set with the person. Um, but because uh, it's like you talk to the actors differently. Even if you haven't acted in front of the camera, I think it's important to sit down and listen to interviews with actors and see how they work. Because mm -hmm. it's important to know how they work um, to kind of be able to pitch stuff to them. And that's why I see, I think you see like a lot of these actors that move on to the director's chair. A lot of them, you know, turn out good. Because mm -hmm. it's like these people know how a movie's made. Yeah. Um, and they know the intricacies of how to get a good performance out of someone. So I think that's what it comes down to. I wouldn't know if I could... I'd, don't think I would notice anything because I think there's some great actors that never acted a day in their life. But they take the time to talk to these actors, to listen to things, to observe other movies and stuff like that, to get an understanding of acting in general and then go to talk to them about it because I think that's important as well. I don't know. I mean, it, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit that most of the time it's just somebody's in a tough spot so then you agree to do something. Yeah. Um, in the few scenarios where... You kind of got to choose if you wanted to do it, or you heard about something and you uh, you were kind of attracted to it. What kind of roles kind of attract you? Where you're like, oh, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Like I know Tyler Walker, um, he does like horror movies and stuff, and um, we just get a lot of different genres. So are there certain types of roles that maybe attract you more than others? Not that you, I mean, I know you don't necessarily consider yourself like a like a professional actor. Yeah. Like that's what you want to do with your life, yeah. but it just kind of. I wouldn't be opposed to it. But um, I don't know. I kind of just like if I if someone pitches me on something mm -hmm. and they sell it to me, then I'm like, yep, I'll do it. Other times it's just like, hey, you're just going to be playing a henchman. It's like, all right, I'll do that too. Um, I really like just because if you look back and think about the movies that I like, mm -hmm. I think there's a common through line. And I would love to play a part like that, you know. Just a, like a dramedy or like a drama when I'm a, just an actual person. I think that, and we just kind of had a smaller talk like that um, about kind of, I like the idea of acting natural. Mm -hmm. But like, I think I struggle with that as well. But it's like, that would be something that I'd like to get better at and kind of pursue stuff like that. Of course, it's fun to play a serial killer. It's fun to play a crazy person, stuff like that. And I'd love doing roles like that. But I also want, you want to do something that's I want, also real. Yeah. I want to, like, I don't know. It's just a real story. Mm -hmm. I'm not murdering anyone. Yeah. I'm not. That's kind of a funny just trope with it's, student uh, films. That literally 70% of the movies that I've been in. That it's either gone. I die or I kill someone or someone's, I got to investigate a killing. Yeah, there's, or, a, there's a gun somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a knife in there somewhere. But 
you know, and I think you said that there's a lot of variety, and I think there is to a certain extent, but there isn't a lot of people that try to do, and because it is intimidating to do like a drama. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of people that try to do that. Um, and I think certain times we see that down here, and they actually, the people that attempt it, actually give a pretty decent product where I was like, awesome, because I know that's hard to do. Um, and of course, we, we just see a lot of horror movies down there more than anything. Horror movies are f- terrible tries of action comedies we get a lot of uh just straight comedy too that's just not funny though too because it's not like well structured which i I think is a problem i feel like even more than that we see like a lot of like a kidnapping sort of thing like i don't even know what genre it's not like i guess it's like a hostage situation tons of hostage situations whatever you do you i mean i can't i'm no better my breakfast script was like that but at the same time I wasn't proud of it. Yeah. And I Wh- think What that, was yours about? Um, basically, it was kind of just like there's this guy and he's a voiceover and he's preparing and it's like almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's very particular how he's preparing the food and everything. Okay. And he plates it. And then in the last like 30 seconds, he puts on a mask and then he goes down to the basement and he gives the person tied to a chair the breakfast and then it ends. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I love twists and stuff like that, too. So that's what I kind of did mine on. But, of course, I'd l- want to do something that was more of... I want to read... I mean, everybody wants to redo their breakfast pr- script, but I really want to just recast it and just read... I just think that that's such a cool before and after. Mm-hmm. Um, because I... When I got it, I... It's not a good script. It's just not. Well, yeah, that's why and I like to see natural. what people do. That's the th- that was like the number it. one thing. It's like, okay, so what can we do to kind of spice this up? So I thought, okay, if we somehow get a restaurant, that at least gives us an excuse to even have this conversation somewhat naturally. And it doesn't even have to be between two people. It can be between three people. So there can be a conversation, and then the waiter comes up, and then you get the breakfast script. And that's natural because mm-hmm. that's the conversation you would have with a waiter. Yeah. So I can tell a story that ends up being in this location and i still get the breakfast script in there but i get to tell my own story yeah that's kind of how i went about it yeah um definitely fell on my face but i don't, I don't know think that's, that's like the number one all your fault that's like the thing that i like mostly look for is just like how can you spice this exactly script up because it's rough dude and we got a honestly we got a lot this year that was just, just the, the script. script and it's like what are you doing like how do you read that and then think yeah okay let's I'll go just, with that i'll just shoot that yeah i don't know I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too much because it's really disappointing. I agree. But we've talked in front of the camera. Um, I've worked with you on a bunch of stuff where you're also behind the camera. So let's talk a little bit about that too. Okay. So uh, if you were going to just spitball your your resume of job titles that you've done, you've been camera operator on a bunch of stuff. What else have you done? You did audio for that play, right? I've done camera op. I've done cinematography. Mm-hmm. I've directed. Mm-hmm. I've produced. I've done post sound. I've done on set sound. I've edited. I've ran, got coffee. <laughs> I did <laughs> what this. Did you I do did that? this late. Um, I, what did I do that? I don't know. I was kind of just on Max's thing specifically. I was kind of just all over the place. Um, uh, I did slate, AC, um, I ran lenses. Um, Do you have a preference, I guess, is my big 
thing is because basically you I just want to show that you've done everything and then down here you do everything is there anything that you do you have a preference or is it just whatever um I like directing I like post sound a lot too I'm just not good at it but mm -hmm. I like the whole process and I like the magic trick at the end of getting stuff to work um uh, camera op is fun because it's not like you're necessarily cinematographer but you tr get you get the frame up stuff and get stuff looking decent after the cinematographer lights everything um, honestly I prefer I like editing a lot um, are there any roles that you haven't done that you're like I'd like to try that I don't know I've done that <laughs> <laughs> it sounds stupid and not a not a, any professional capacity at all but mm -hmm. in a casual sense, I've done pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Have I, you done... Well, I guess that kind of involves posts on. I was going to be like, have you been a Foley artist? Yeah. Yep. Damn. You're one of a kind. Just kidding. I've done a lot of shit. Yeah, too. every... It, no. I feel like it's... Well, especially through, when you go to school. Have, yeah. You have to do everything. You have to do everything. Um, but yeah, I prefer, I guess, editing. I like directing, camera op. Um, sound is fine, too. I don't mind any jobs, really. Um at the, I like probably top three, directing, editing, and being in front of the camera. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, we did go to school for this sort of thing. Um, if you got to pick, is there, uh, is there one of those that you'd like to specifically focus on in the future, or you'd just like to keep your options open? Um, I mean, the end goal in the Nate Talon repertoire. Sure. Is make an animated movie. Yeah. But what's wrong with coming across the stage saying, and the best actor goes to? Mm -hmm. It's Nate Talon. Are you kidding me? Run it. That'd be I'd love that. Um, but I also like to, honestly, when it comes to directing, of course, I'd love to direct a movie that people like. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd, I think I'd be more interested in TV. Because really? I just like how well, TV TV's stories kinda play come, out. They kinda, it's kind of making a like, big I think I think I could run a children's cartoon and make it good. Like a animated one? Yeah. Like, I think I could kill that. Mm -hmm. um, so that'd be, like, something that I'd really like to do. But honestly, the more I act, the more I like it. So I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, give me a best actor. I'd like to get it. I'd like to snag. Actually, no. <laughs> I think the number one thing that I'd like to do is win, like, a best original screenplay. Oh, yeah, of course you would. And then... I win best actor actually, for acting in that movie. You know what else... I would like just as much as that, which is going to sound crazy. What? Because winning Best Director, it doesn't mean, I mean, obviously that's great. But, like, for me, I would love to write a movie and then that supporting actor role wins at the Oscars. Why? Because it's, I like, love, just a good side character? I just love, I that's, like, my favorite part of movies is, like, juicy side characters. So it's, like, I get excited at the Oscars because that's usually one of the first awards that they do. Yeah. And I'm always excited. Oh, yeah. Especially this year, it's going to be star. This is going to be a good Oscars, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. But um, yeah, I, sure I mean, it's a testament to the writing, too, when you have a side character that, I don't know, actors can dive their teeth into. Or I just feel like sometimes they just have more to chew on, if I'm being honest. You know, I think with a, with a lead character, you get the hero, you get those normal tropes that you just see in a lot of stuff. Whereas a side character kind of doesn't play by any rules yeah. and that they can kind of break those rules as well. Yeah. Um, when it's done well, I think it's something. Right, yeah. you'll do it one day. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I won't. But um, one other thing I wanted to pick your brain about behind the camera-wise is, uh, so you've been on smaller student films, Skeleton Crews. 
you've worked some big events with Lonnie where we got four plus cameras going. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those like? What are those? What do you have to bring to the table to work on both sides of the of things? Uh, like what in smaller and bigger stuff? Yeah, I guess what's the difference for you? I, I mean, obviously everything is different. But, but the the main thing that I feel like more so than anything, because I I use I don't know. The, the small amount of skill that I have, I use on both, right? So I'm still using the same amount of effort, I think. The main thing is just the change in environment where w- when you're on smaller stuff, you can be more casual about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like I definitely need to hold myself differently when I'm in those giant, not even giant, but bigger kind of settings. I need to be more professional. I need to act, at least act like I know what I'm doing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to leave any room for error. And I think it's just good to even... And it's going to sound bad, but it's the truth. And you just need to make the person that you're doing the work for comfortable, mm-hmm. however that takes. If they're saying something and it's a stupid idea, but they really want it, you say, oh, yeah, of course, I'll go do that for you. And you got to kind of put away your ego, especially on a lot of this, on the professional stuff where you're getting paid to do. You're not going out of your, like, it's not you directing something. You, someone is paying you to film this for them. Um, so you got to kind of put your ego aside and kind of, just do what they tell you. Um, and of course, you can pitch stuff to them that you think would make it better. And depending on the people that you get, I'd say 60%, 70% will be like, oh, yeah, that is a good idea. But then you get people that are like, no, I wanted exactly what I how I had it in the script. And you say, okay, I'm going to do it that way. So the main thing is you just kind of put your ego aside. Um, of course, you're collaborating with the people that your crew that's with you. But I feel like it's less co- collaborative in the sense of, you kind of have the blueprint already and you're just getting the stuff that you need for the blueprint. Where, where you're on smaller stuff, everyone's throwing ideas out. Everyone's kind of putting their own spin on th- certain things. And um, I think that's a lot. And you can have fun too in between. And not saying that you can't have fun on those bigger stuff in between the camera rolling. But even like after the camera's done rolling, as soon as it's cut, people are laughing. People are throwing jokes back and forth. And my favorite type of, like, honestly, the dream. And honestly, Max Burke gives himself a hard time, but I feel like a lot of times it happens on his movies mm-hmm. during certain scenes that we're filming where it's like we're messing around for, and I think how it works is there's like an hour. The first hour is really strict, and then everything devolves after that where everyone's just doing whatever. But it's like we're having fun, we're having fun, and then he's like, all right, everyone in places, all right, action. And then we go into the scene. And then it ends, and then everyone's back to joking around or whatever. And then he says, okay, run it back, action. And I love this stuff where it's kind of casual but more professional as well. Um, and I think, honestly, that's the end goal if I would ever, you know, direct something on a bigger scale or anything like that is I want people to still have fun, but I want to get the work done, and I want it to be good. Yeah. So I don't want the fun to distract from when – basically, when I say places, I want it to kind of go into a more professional kind of spot, you know? Um but yeah, I think just put, once you do those bigger stuff, it's a lot less ego, a lot less collaborative, not even in a bad sense, just because you got to be professional. Cause which, you're, which one of those, I guess, stresses you out more? Being in that in that big room with a lot of people where um, you kind of know exactly what you have to do so you can show up and get the stuff you need to, and it's but you got more eyes on you. Or is it the smaller stuff that you're more nervous about because you don't really have a sec? Well, um, so on the bigger stuff, of course, when I first started out, I was nervous because it's like you're, someone's paying you to do this. But at a certain s- extent, uh, once I got uh, more experience in it, you know what people want. And I know, and it's going to sound cocky, but it's like I am know I'm doing a good enough job for this person. 
Um, and of course you get those days or whatever where you feel like, oh man, I could have done that better. But at the same time, I'm not really stressed when I do those jobs anymore at all. Do you feel that way a lot? What? Do you leave the shoot or something? You're like, man, like you can't stop thinking about it. Or once it's done, you're like, ah, it's done. Yeah, Did what I, I think, can do. I think most of the time I always think I could have got something better. But I also most of the time am happy with what I got. I feel like I constantly do that. I'm just like, God, yeah, God damn it. of course. I mean, because I think that's just the nature of doing what we do where it's like you always want to get that perfect. It's kind of like we just got out of we saw Ford versus Ferrari a couple of days ago. And it's kind of that thing where it's like you're always searching for that perfect lap. You're always searching for the perfect shoot. And to be honest, you'll probably never get it. But it's always good to push yourself forward. And I think that's one thing that I always have in my mind. It's like, yeah, I could have done better. But at the end of the day, I think what I got is good. You know what's interesting to me that I think I've, I don't know if it's for everyone, but I'm starting to feel that way. So you tell me what you think. All right. I almost feel like, let's say you're shooting over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I feel like I'm always more nervous about the second day than I am the first day. Because I feel like you show up, everybody's kind of on nerves, right? And you start doing it, and you're worried about it all day. And then once you start doing it, piece of cake, and it goes better than you thought it would. So then you got this momentum. You're like, oh, my gosh, that went great. Tomorrow we're going to go pick up some. And somehow the next day just doesn't go as smooth, whether that's somebody's mess. I don't, it could be for any reason. Mm-hmm. I just feel like every time the second time I go to shoot something, something goes something goes wrong. Something's off. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I can see where you're coming from with that. I've being on as many especially as many of these smaller things like student projects as I've been on. Yeah. I literally expect everything to go wrong. So I think <laughs> that helps where it's like I expect everything to collapse and we're going to have to pick up the scraps and get something at least decent out of this. That's how I expect every shoot to go. So when it's even only one thing goes wrong, I'm like, that's a win in my book. So I feel like before, yeah, I'd, I'd be so sad if something went wrong because I'm like, dang it, this isn't what I wanted. But you got to, like, it's that thing, Murphy's Law. It's real. Whatever uh, will happen, it's going to happen. Or whatever could happen will happen, whatever the saying is. But I think I've just adapted that kind of mantra where I've kind of grown to accept that no matter what, something's going to go wrong and I'm going to get pissed. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's going to get done. It's going to be decent. I think I related to theater just because theater's typically, at least high school stuff, it's usually Thursday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the first day, everybody's nervous. And then it goes a lot better than you thought it would. You're like, hey, we actually pulled it together. And then you're like thinking, oh my gosh, it's only going to get better, right? And you're mostly worried for Saturday because that's when your whole family's going to be there, whatever. So Friday is just kind of the piece of cake one. We've done it once. Mm -hmm. Boom, we'll bust Friday out. Saturday's going to be the one. Or maybe even Sunday. A lot of people think it's Sunday because it's our last one. We've done it three times. And for whatever reason, the second day is always the worst because some people get lackadaisical. That's it. That's almost it. It's like you get so lazy that it's like, you know. You get too cocky. You got to humble yourself. That's exactly what it is. So then when Saturday comes, now you're on your toes again. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, yeah. And then Sunday rolls the around. last hurrah. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to kill it last day. And it's always like, yeah, it was pretty good. But I still think yeah. that whatever day was the best day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just see a correlation there that I always end up feeling oh, yeah. that way the you, second day. It's you got to con- constantly humble yourself, yeah. which is why I kind of my least favorite people are the people that are cocky because yeah. I feel like I'm constantly humbling myself. And just being, and I've been around countless because I feel like it's unavoidable in the profession. Just people that think that everything that they do is the best stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, and just how they treat people as well. It's, I don't know, not a big fan. I don't like being talked down to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, 
there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that know a lot more than I do yeah. about a lot of stuff. But that doesn't mean you have to talk exactly. to me like exactly. I'm an idiot, you know. Exactly. So anyway, we've talked about in front of the camera, we've talked about behind the camera. Now let's get to your heart a little bit. I can oh see God. it beating. Let's talk about Candy. animated movies. All right. Um have you you said you got into films when you were a little bit older, high school. Does that include a lot of animated stuff no, or did you share the same childhood as everyone else I literally cartoon? just that was the main movies that I watched were animated movies back in the day I feel like that's where my love comes from is that was pretty much the only movies that I watched mm-hmm. even when I got older I was attracted to um like cartoons animated series and um stuff like that and I feel like as I get older it grows because I start to realize more and more um what makes them so special and what makes um like people that push the boundaries of and people that do different stuff with them. It's because it's like my favorite thing about animated movies is like I already brought it up before as a kid. It's like I used to always do make believe, create these fantastic worlds and do whatever. And what I and I will say what I like about live action, especially where we're going, is it's like you're using the world as your canvas. You're making like just the ordinary seem extraordinary and you're taking these normal situations and capturing them and making art out of it. Um, but with animated stuff, it's like, dude, the only thing holding you back is your anime. I mean, is your imagination because you can do whatever mm-hmm. you can do whatever. And I think that's, what's most exciting about it. And that's why I like to see when people do different stuff and when people like incorporate certain things, and I'm like, yes, because and I feel like that's why I like Brad Bird a lot is because he preaches. I feel like a lot, he preaches to the choir a lot, but because everyone that follows him kind of has the same, but it's like, it's like, don't, talk to the like animated movies like it's lesser when it's like i hate that they're like looked at as like like you have all your different genres right and then animated is its own genre yeah. it's like what the f- what it's does that even movies. mean they're all movies yeah. and they all there's we just did on twos we've we've gone at it for a little over a month now we've done uh, frozen but then we've turned around and done a nightmare before christmas mm-hmm. and Coraline, and it's like those are different genres and completely yeah. different styles of movies I don't know. It's like, yeah, you got musical comedy. We did like a horror. We did, I don't know, like a dramedy. I think the Iron Giant's like a dramedy, like adventure movie where it's like, I don't know. You can do so many different things. Mm -hmm. And that's what's more, most appealing to me is that it's, there it is. Just do it. Like you can do whatever you want. I think my favorite thing is just the unnecessary stuff. It's the stuff you don't have to do. Exactly. But you do it anyway. I mean, we always preach Incredibles. Um because they have some crazy camera stuff that's in there that doesn't need to be in there. But it, but then at the same time it does. Yeah. You know, because it's like it works and it's what sells the scene too. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's like, and that's what especially where technology is going, and especially in like with two D, it was always that way. Where it's like, you can pretty much do whatever you want because mm-hmm. it's like you just need to have the talent to draw this, or you need to know someone that has the talent to draw this. And now three D is evolving to a spot where it's like. There's so many different things that you can do with the camera. There's so many different things you can do with the models. And I think the prime example of that is into the Spider-Verse where they, and I was talking to a buddy uh, today when it's kind of like that whole jumping sequence that everyone, the leap of faith scene that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. All that matters in a movie is what's in the frame. And with animated movies, you can trick reality to make what's in that frame look better. Mm-hmm. So it's like that whole city is on a sphere and it's all fanning out like like rays on a sun. Mm -hmm. But all of that you see in the frame is that it just looks like a city. But in order to get it to look that cool, 
they did something completely different that's only possible in an animated movie and that's why that frame and that sequence sticks out to people is it's because it's different it's interesting they did something that no one will ever know about unless you look behind the scenes but it's like that moment will stick with people because they did something different and some people don't even know that they did something different you know Mm -hmm. i feel like just the possibilities are endless when it comes to animated stuff which is why i'm always excited to see another one because it's like what are they going to do different what's the thing that's going to stick out to me from this one i think that's why i like stop motion stuff so much is because they don't think of it like like they shoot it just like you'd shoot a note because yeah. it's practical. Yeah. It's right there. You have to light it the same way yep. as you'd light an actor. You know, there's many sets. So, I mean, a lot of the camera stuff that they do is the same stuff that you'd be doing in real life. And we're seeing that a lot in just 3D animation, like you said, that they, uh, they're they copying kind of that same mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, freaking Toy Story 4 is... Using actual lenses from the real yeah, world. Yeah, they're the replicating real lenses for real cameras to get a specific look. It's incredible yeah. just where technology yeah. is going. And, like, even, like, I completely agree with you with stop motion, but, like, a lot of 3D stuff now, too, it's, like, you build the set. Yep. And you're not building it with your hands. I mean, you t- still technically are, but it's not like you're using wood or whatever. You're using a computer to model this set. Mm-hmm. And then you're shooting in the set. You're placing lights. You're, it's, like, crazy, dude. And then, you're, then you have a cinematographer that goes in with this virtual camera and captures a scene just like you would capture something in live action or in stop motion, except it's all in a computer, which is stupid to think about that. We're even at that point in civilization that we could do all this on a computer where before a couple, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, a computer was taking up a whole room. Mm -hmm. And now it's like you can animate something on your phone if you wanted to. It's stupid. But I'm liking, like I can only imagine where the future holds for this type of stuff. I can't wait to see what people start doing. Okay, there's one thing I wanted to specifically bring you on the pod and pick your brain about because it just pissed me off, to be honest. Why? I was talking with somebody who's not the biggest, huge fan of Incredibles. Not a big fan of Incredibles 2. Okay. And specifically, what? Incredibles 2 is fine. Oh, I thought you were dissing it. And compared to 1, of course, but it's not bad. It's still a good movie. It's better than... It's great. Great? Yeah. Okay. Even, let's say it's great. There's somebody. What's the name of the villain in it? The the TV like villain. Screen slaver. Screen slaver. I love that premise. That, yeah. You know, we're all glued to the screen. You know, and that's kind of how they're getting everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that's genius, and of course, it's so relevant now. But this person, who will not be named, thinks that that's so annoying that Pixar of all people were the ones to shove this sort of problem down your throat because to make that movie they did nothing but look at screens for years does that kind of contradict what are your thoughts on that i don't think it necessarily contradicts because i don't think it's not it's not even just saying all we do is spend time looking at a screen Mm -hmm. of course especially nowadays it's like these screens serve a multitude of different purposes um to get work done and stuff like that. What I think the bigger issue that they kind of delve into with Incredibles 2, and I think the villain's the weaker part. I do like the premise of it, but how I they like play. I like the idea of the, f- yeah. of the villain. Yeah. Of course, we get a twist in there. Don't love, don't love where it goes. I don't love, yeah, I don't like the twist. But um, they're kind of saying, because of course, what I like about the Incredibles is it ties a lot of these real world stuff to superheroes. And I think the idea, what is it? I don't know. Even, idolization of these superheroes and of these people that are on TV mm-hmm. is what the bigger issue is and how someone was 
torn to the core because of this and they lost people because of this and so now where do you look to see these idols that you have you look at the tv you mm -hmm. look at because now everyone's connected because of this box in your room and i think that's kind of the bigger thing that they're talking about um in the movie in i don't know i feel like that just is a i don't know why someone would say that they're kind of offended that Pixar of all people are doing that because I think it's not just saying stop watching movies stop watching TV I think there's a bigger way bigger of, of a theme that they're trying to get across than just stop looking at a screen and if you were to if somebody were to say that Incredibles 2 is trash what's your what do you say back to that person that's your opinion but I disagree why do you disagree because I think Incredibles 2 does a great job of capturing um the characters, if you still like Incredibles 1, these characters are back and these characters are great in Incredibles 2. My problem with Incredibles 2 is it's almost too samey to Incredibles 1. So if you can say something's trash just because of that, I mean, sure. I don't think it's bottom tier because cause the first one's god tier. Mm -hmm. So the second one, even, even if it is very samey and you wish that you got more, which is exactly where I'm at, there's no way it can be the complete opposite end of the spectrum. There's yeah. no chance. See, you know, so that's where I kind of lie on it, where it's it's below it, but I think that that's why if they do a third one, I really hope that they do something different with it. Yeah, I think if they, I think it'd be cool if they, because I think it's definitely a it's a power move to have it set up immediately after the first one ends. Because we weird it, flex, but okay, you know. Uh, yeah, so I think what the next one is what you would normally see is after some time when the kids are now all grown up. I hope, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, if they even do another one, which Incredibles. Two made a billion dollars, so I'm sure that they will do another one. What uh, what are we looking at on time? What do you mean for me? Look at that! Oh, it's time for fan <laughs> I'm questions. I'm leaving, dude. Fan questions. We got a shit ton of them because you're a popular guy. I don't think that's true. There's a lot of people that want to know a lot of stuff about you. So we're gonna start off with a pretty hot question. You have a dairy allergy. Oh god. For one day, if you didn't have a dairy allergy, what's the one meal? that you would want to eat that wouldn't make you bust out in hives and start itching. So if you got, like, one pass, what's the one meal you're like, I wish I could try this? Just one meal? Uh-huh. Mm, that's pretty tough. I mean, I'd love to try, like, you know, there's a, there's a multitude of desserts that I can't have oh. that I'd love to try. Um, but probably pizza, like an actual pizza. <laughs> like a Chicago style? Oh, yeah. Or? If you're give me, give it, me, I mean, give me a little buffet, a pizza buffet. I'll yeah, go through it and say. get a slice of everything. I think that would be the main thing. That that was the first thing that came to my head. I was thinking besides like, like ice cream and stuff. But I've eaten ice cream, and I mean I've eaten dairy-free cheese pizza. But I want to see what the actual pizza. What is. about like a nice thick like oh, pasta yeah. dish? I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Oh my god. But I'll, I'd rather have I'll, pizza. I'll kill somebody over Alfredo. I love, I love pasta though. I know, dude. That's what Italian I'm, food. In general, that's what I'm. That's what I'm signing up for. Okay. Okay. If you could uh, live in any fictional like film world, which one do you think would be the most fun and where would you pick to live in? I don't know. I think a lot of people like to pick these film worlds of superheroes or whatever and like it's odds are you're just going to be a regular person. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the catch. So it's like if I pick Harry Potter, does that mean I get to be a wizard or am I a muggle in the Harry Potter world? Cuz yeah. then what's the point? I, th I think you're a muggle. Um Oof. I mean, realistically speaking, statistically speaking, you'd probably be a muggle. You don't know. Um, yeah, I do, statistically speaking. What the hell, um, dude? I wouldn't say you were a muggle. 
Yeah, you're a Hufflepuff too. Oh God. Um, I don't know. Probably Pokemon, something like that. Really? Yeah, because then you're guaranteed. Okay. Uh, we have a listener who wants to know what's the most you've prepared for an acting role. What most I've prepared. Um, you ever I've, spend a, a lot of long nights looking in the mirror? No. Okay. No. I how it kind of boils down is very similar to I mean there's God I feel so pretentious even talking about stuff like this <laughs> um, but there's like times where it's like like for example I did a mo pick thing where there's a big crew and I was like I wanted to make sure so I memorized the lines and I per, I would talk to myself and recite the lines to myself and kind of think of how I was gonna do it um, I'm doing something now that I'm getting paid for which shouts out so I do the same thing where I'm reciting these lines back to myself. But I feel like I fall into a similar thing with every single role that I get, that it's like when I know a shot's coming up for like a couple minutes before the shot, I put myself into the character. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the scene and I think of how I'm going to do the scene. And then as soon as they call cut, I go back to what I am. And when I know the scene's about to start, I put myself back into that moment. Um, so that's kind of the most preparation I do is – I don't know. I kind of tend to think like how I'm gonna, how this character would think or whatever in like strictly right before this shot's about to start and for a little bit after. Yeah. I mean, do you ever like, uh, I don't know, go over lines with your mom or something? I don't know. Like, is there any times where you have a lot of monologues where you're like, you spent a lot of time on one project? I think, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember recording like doing something on the iPhone and like just recording it and playing it back and seeing how I sounded and then Mm -hmm. going back and doing it again. So like I said, it's more so just reciting lines back to myself than anything. Or I'd like to meet, um, like I like when we did our thing, that's like the perfect amount of preparation for me is when we sit down and we run through the scene. I like 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 walking through through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my favorite type of preparation because I think that helps the best. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, a listener wants to know what is the childhood or what is the animated movie that you relate the most to your childhood so like what's the one you think of that brings you back to when you were freaking seven um toy story or finding nemo okay because finding nemo because i watched it it was like for some reason that movie like my grandma loved it so every time i went over to my grandma's house it's on (laughs) i saw it in theaters we had the dvd but Toy Story is the one that I remember watching a lot as well as a kid and relating the most to. Like I will always think about, I do the thing where I walk out of my room and then try to sneak back and see if my toys are doing anything. Like that's the type of kid I was. And I related heavily to, and I would love whenever it was on. Oh, it, literally if it's on, I as soon as the dun, 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 smile on my face, I'm sitting down, I'm watching that movie, you know? So that'd probably be it. Okay. Um... Listener wants to know. Oh, God. What's your least favorite thing about humanity? <laughs> um, Nowadays, uh, I think that I hate that everything's so black and white with people. I think that there's not enough compromise. I think that everyone, and we're seeing this more so than anything nowadays, everything just seems to be black and white. You're either right or you're wrong. We can't come to a compromise at all. And I think you know, politically, whatever it is on the internet with fandoms and stuff like that. I think that there's no compromise anymore. Um, no one wants to sit down and talk about anything because to be honest, there's uh, like, there's problems with 
like for example, you know, it's something smaller, but with um, like The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. it's such a polarizing movie where it's like uh, you either love it or you hate it. I'm right down the middle where I love half of it and I hate half of it. But if you even say anything negative about it, you get attacked. If you say anything positive, you're a Star Wars fanboy. And it's like constant back and forth bickering like that. And I mean, even to a grander st- scale uh, politically, um, I don't want to get too political on the show. But I think that there's a lot of just hate and you're either right or you're wrong. And I do think one side tends to be a little bit more compromising than the other when it comes to politics. And I feel like that's whatever path we went down led us to this moment. And I don't know how we're going to get back. And that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd say just the fact that everything's so black and white now. Okay. Were you expecting a serious answer out of that one? I didn't know where it was going to go, but it definitely made me laugh when I when I got it. Okay. Um, but I respect it. This one's a three-parter. Okay. Would you rather live in a world where Pixar exists, but you have your dairy allergy? Or would you rather live in a world where Pixar doesn't exist, but you don't have a dairy allergy? The first one. Okay, so the one that we're in now. Yeah, I don't mind having like I don't mind I don't I don't mind having a dairy allergy. Really? I've lived my whole life with it. I don't know what I'm missing. Okay. And I want those Pixar movies in my veins. And then they want to know, would you rather live in a world? Okay, it's 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 a this or that question. Okay. So either Pixar exists. That's it. We live in the world now, or <laughs> Pixar doesn't exist. But you get to go on a date with Emma Stone. And we don't know how the date goes. It could go great. Yeah, that's tough because I think I'd I'd fumble the bag on that one. So I'm going to go with Pixar. Really? Yeah. Okay. I respect it. Hey, there's plenty of fish in the sea. It's not just Emma. But hey, Emma, if you're out there listening, I love you so much. Okay. Hey. No, I'm not even going to say anything. What was that? I was going to say you and me both, buddy. (laughs) All right. Um Listener wants to know, who do you relate to more, um, Iron Man because you have a hole in your chest or Jack Skellington because you're just skidding bones? Uh, I'd say uh, Jack Skellington because he's alive. I don't need to worry about uh, like cancer from this hole in my chest uh-huh. or anything like that. Uh, Jack Skellington because I'm super skinny and twig-like. Okay. And I'll, I'll honestly, when we were watching it for On Twos, I was like, oh, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> He has a lot of the same mannerisms that I do because he's so skinny. Hey, so shouts out one time, Jack. Okay. And then this one is, it's the last one I got. And I actually really like this one. This person wants you to build a movie. You get to pick the director. You get to pick the lead actor, the lead actress, and one supporting actor and one supporting actress. Um, But you can't pick something that already exists. So, for example, you can't pick Damien Chazelle. And Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, J.K. Simmons. Correct. Okay. Let's see. Do I got to give a plot, too? No. Because I don't know about that. Yeah, just give me a, a group of people that you're like, I have no Like, I'd want to, I'd bet anything to see this. Uh, Denis Villeneuve directs it. Oh, okay. Adam Driver stars in it. Okay. That's like a thriller. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. Even, even like similar vein of prisoners, you know. Oh, Okay. Um, Nicole Kidman's a mom. Really? Lost a child. Uh-oh. Basically, as prisoners do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, supporting cast. Let's see here. So you're going. No, I don't want to. I don't want to um, 
imposed on your list. Yeah. You're going Nicole Kidman instead of somebody that I know you really like, which is like maybe like a Kate Blanchett. I think Nicole Kidman is better in this role okay. that I'm envisioning. Okay. And I love Nicole Kidman. I think that she can do no wrong. She kills it every time I see her, especially recently. Have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? I have not yet. Okay. So I really want to see that one. Um, now, supporting is where it gets tough because there's so many people that I think could knock it out of the park supporting. Um, I don't know. Supporting actress. Someone that can come in, step in, and just murder it. Just murk it. I'm just going Olivia Coleman. <laughs> is another detective at this place that Adam Driver's working oh, at. Oh, okay. Uh, and then supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Give me JK. He's the chief of this oh, place. Oh, snap. Kamish Gordon. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Okay. There you okay. go. Well, that's, that's just like off the top of my head. I don't. I don't want to have a lot of dead space on this, but I think that'd be a pretty great movie, I if agree. I'm being honest. Okay. Okay. Even um, I don't want since I don't want it to be prisoners too. Nicole Kidman is just involved with this crime somehow. Doesn't need to be a missing child. Could be her husband died. Could be anything like that. You know what would be interesting? She's if, the murderer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think she could kill it too. Okay. Okay. Um, so now we're moving into we're kind of in this the the segment part of the show. So now we're going to do the top three question of the day. The top three question of the day. Yeah. This one's shout out to my dad because we always play the top three game. Okay. But your question is, um, what three performances would you like to play the most? So of like actual things that exist. For example, you could pick Superman or you could pick like, oh, I really love the performance that Robin Williams gives in Goodwill Hunting. And I think that I would kill that role. So I want, like, specific roles. Spider-Man. Okay. Done. You could say that uh, there are some some moving parts on this one coming up. And I appreciate that, but also Spider-Man. Okay. You know what I'm saying. I know. What people like, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. Brings a smile to my face. Just Your faces get a little red, buddy. I'm happy, dude. That'd be the dream. <laughs> that's literally the dream. Okay. Um, Honestly, I and it's gonna sound stupid, but it's on my mind. And I, I was gonna just say a generic detective thing, but like, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Prisoners. I think I'd freaking love to do something like that. Wow, I love his. A little scary. I know I love his character though, and I really, yeah, I think something like that. Is that what Detective Nate Talon the the third movie looks like? Is hell yeah, (laughs) hell yeah, it is. Okay. Keep that keep that locked and key when you write the script, dude. Keep yeah. that character in mind. Okay. Um let me see. This is a tough one. I don't wanna, you know, just go out and say whatever. I gotta think about this for a little bit. Do it. Give me your three while I think about this. Well, I don't love to act. So you don't have any Okay. Like there's roles where I'm like, I could do that. Like uh I don't know. You probably haven't seen High Fidelity with John Cusack. I could do that role. You know, he's somebody who's going through a breakup. He works at a record store. He's easily annoyed. Um, he has somebody like Jack Black works there, and he's just obnoxious. He's Jack. He's playing Jack Black, and this is like a calmer guy. So it's like, of course, he gets on his nerves. It's kind of be like you and Nick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that dynamic. Then there's another guy that works there that's just a quiet dude. So you got that nice little three piece. Um, but the whole time he's kind of breaking the fourth wall yeah. and talking to the camera. So he's like, so he's mad about his breakup, right? So the next scene he's walking back and forth pacing and he's saying, 
she's not interested. That breakup doesn't mean anything to me. There's I've been through plenty of breakups worse than that. He's like, top five worst breakups of my life. So it's you. Like, hello. Um, so I could do that one for sure. Um, Ethan Hawke in the Before Trilogy is my last one. Okay. That one seems, yeah. That. Now I'm going to spin zone it. Okay. And just because I like hearing about myself, what are three that you think I could do? Um, like if I was actually good and I pursued acting and I took classes and I did all this stuff, what do you think are some that you could see me fitting? I think some people might say the Before Sunrise one, but that's just because you kind of go for the Ethan Hawke look. In not a, not intentionally. It's, it's very subconsciously, which is I'm kind of ashamed about because I don't want to be that guy that models how I look after one of my favorite movies. You're there. But I know, I know. <laughs> you're, like, and I, you're like, wait, no, I'm going to throw on glasses. Nobody will tell. Yeah. Oh, God, I hated it. I, we were, like, looking up shots. I was like, oh, no. I know. I, look. <laughs> I like said I said that before your hair grew out. I was like, that's what this dude looks like, which is fine. Um, okay, let me think. You're jealous, to be honest. Am I, though? When, I'm jealous of the flow right now. Um, yeah, I wish you're my rocking hair was the fifth longer. grader haircut right now. You're not wrong. So there's a hat currently on my head. Because it's looking it's good, though, because you got See, I like, I like the look where there's, like, a little... You see a little bit of hair, and it's, like, pulled back a little bit. Yeah. You're hiding that. It looks kind of like you have longer hair right now, but I know what's underneath that hat. You're not fooling anyone on this podcast. I really get sad when I think about that my hair's not long anymore. Hey, you'll get there. You're it's, young. Well, the thing is, like, it's to the point where it's like, let's say, uh, you know how we used to make characters on the Wii, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm a talking me? about. Yeah, me. Um, like, whenever I make a character in a game or anything like that, I naturally always go to the one that has long, like, medium length hair. Just because that's I've I've spent yeah. my whole life switching it up, but that's just like when I think of myself, that's like the main one. So sometimes I forget that my hair short. Yeah, you can't do that anymore, Luca. You're being so you're like lying my, to us. Yeah, maybe I'm just that makes me. Feel All right, better. back to the topic at hand. Okay, who are you? What 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 could you be good at? What could you be good at? See, without my phone in front of me, now I'm struggling. It's a challenge. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Um, Cause I want to say that I could, I would put you in a Noah Baumbach movie. Okay. But I don't know which character you would play because I love the Meyerowitz stories, but they're a little bit older. You know, you're still young, so yeah. we have to play in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, here's a weird one. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with it just because it gives you a little bit of range. You're a little quiet, and but you you definitely get your moments to shine. But it's also it's funny as well. You get to do both sides of it. Um, Paul Dano, that's his name, right? And Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. Have you seen it? Never. Watch it. Okay. I think. Is this going to be like you saying, hey, you know who you remind me of? Michael Caine and Children of Men. No, no, okay, no. Okay. No. So. Not like that. <laughs> Not like that. Like legit. It's. I think it'd be a, a role that you would actually get a kick out of. Okay. Because um, he is the... Hey, I don't want to know anything. Okay. I want to okay. watch it because okay. it's on my list. It's you'd actually love that movie. Um, another one that I w- I'm trying to think dark comedy, you know, into that little niche that you're talking because I didn't know you wanted to go as serious as Jake Gyllenhaal and pr- like that's like some heavy yeah. shit. Dude. Yeah. Um, and it's not even dark comedy, just dramedy, you know. But I'm hey, give me something in Bruges. That's a dark comedy. In Bruges is literally one of my favorite movies ever. Hey, shouts out to me. I'd probably give you, um, I feel like I'm a bad friend if I don't give you uh, 
Gosh, Daddy, and La La Land. Am I right? <laughs> Here's the thing. I was going to pick that. Yeah. But it's like, I'm not that great. I think I could get vocal lessons and get to that point that Ryan Gosling's at. But the piano is what really scares me. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. My brain doesn't work like that. I just feel like your passion for the role would be so large that... Honestly, but think about it. He's literally getting paid, though, to like have a piano lesson every single day. Mm-hmm. So if it was that, I think I could get there. Because oh. he still doesn't know how to play the piano. He just knows how to play those songs. Because I'm a nice guy, I'll give you that one. Okay. Don't play the nice guy card. I just, I got to do it. Um, actually, so for my third one, I'm going to kind of break the rules a little bit. Because I had a conversation with somebody who was going to give one, one of the fan questions. But we both think, I mean, obviously you want to be an animated movies yeah or just make them but we think that you could do, probably do a good job at voice acting i was also gonna bring that up like cause I, maybe like a voice acting role I that's think. what i was gonna my say my problem is is that i would love to do voice acting more than anything honestly like i really would love to i just can't like i got my voice i can go slightly deeper i can go slightly higher but it's like i don't know if i can do impressions and stuff like that that you kind of need to do to do certain things dude i've seen you do heads up before and you've done beetlejuice <laughs> and it's insane you do it i man. have to channel it though i, I can't i can't just do it on command i know but if it was if it was ride or die i'm sure you could pull yeah. something out so i'm gonna give you a pixar performance um let's go ahead and give you What? Why you got that look in your... Uh, no, I'm, I'm waiting. I know, I'm thinking. There's a lot of freaking Pixar movies, dude. There's a lot. Oh, I got one. It's going to be a weird one. I don't even know if you're going to like it. But I think you could do it. I just... It's like the troubled guy that is bitter at first that then grows to be something more. And I'm going with Willem Dafoe's character in Finding Nemo. Okay. I think you could do that. Yeah, I feel like my voice is a little bit too young, but I always think that my voice isn't that deep or anything. So Yeah, I probably agree. So maybe smoke but, a couple more cigs. Yeah. Um, I'll, every time I go into the vocal booth, I'll say, I need a pack. Yeah. And I'll go like, <laughs> I'll no, just it, taste it like It just new seems pork. like somebody who's been through life and then is just tired, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'll go with I those. respect it. Thank you. Yeah. I take that as a compliment, all those roles that you said. And I was fishing for it, so I... Thank you for that. Okay, you know, I'll come up with more for sure because just the fact that you're probably going to be on here um, again shortly. <laughs> but uh, until then, I'll think of a few more. All right. Um, and then the last segment I have for you is something that is dedicated to me mom. And Mrs. It, Sacita. The one and only, the Ange, who just, uh, just got out of the hospital for uh, she had surgery. She's all good. She's all good. But um, let's give... Let's give a shout-out one time to the Ange. Doing well back at home. Um, yeah, you get I, well, Sue Ange. I know she's listening to this, so we got to do her proud for this last segment. Saucy Mama. Saucy Mama. All right. Let's talk about a movie that she really likes. Okay. Let's talk about... Uh, you haven't seen the new one, but you just watched the old one. Let's talk about Suspiria. Okay. You just watched it last night? Correct. What do you think? It's fun. Yeah? I don't know. Are you, would you even say you're a big horror movie guy in general? No. But did this one pique your interest at all? Uh, I really love the direction of it. Okay. Um, It has that charm of like an older movie where everyone's voices are dubbed over, so you got to kind of get past that, which I don't mind at all. I like the whole concept of it, I think, is awesome. 
It looks like great. The wi- like witches running a dance thing. Are you kidding me? That's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the cinematography is great. Can we shout out one time to the freaking music? Hello. Yep, the music's great in it as well. Um, but I'll say, like, at the end of it, I wasn't entirely satisfied, but I definitely had a good time watching it. You okay. know, it was just one of those. Um, I can see why people love it, why it has this cult following, you know, but also, like, it didn't do that extra mile to me where I'm in that place of just respect. And there's stuff that I love about it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not that next level for me. Um, Are there any older horror movies that have done that for you? I don't know. Because I, I feel like a lot of times you watch something. The Thing. Okay. I love That's The a good Thing, one. yeah. I just feel like a Shining. lot of, because I know you like uh, Hereditary and a lot of newer stuff. Uh, I feel like you maybe watch older stuff and you're like, yeah, I get it. I, I haven't actually seen a lot of older horror movies. Okay. Growing up, I wasn't, I never watched any. So like that's and if I did, it's those trash like paranormal activities or whatever. So you I know? mean, I'm I guess I'm thinking along the lines of not like old like before the seventy or sixties. Like I mean, like your classics, like your Halloween mm-hmm. and Scream and Nightmare Before Elm Street. And I stuff think like that. I think Halloween's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I have like that's one too that like has the highest amount of respect just for how small budget it is and everything and how they were able to basically create a whole genre is insane. Um, I think I. I love it a lot, but I mean, it's not like five stars for me. Yeah. I think that there's definitely issues that people overlook. Um, and I just feel like with me, when it comes to that older stuff, I don't have like, and I don't think that this is a bad thing at all because I'm the first person who loves nostalgia and stuff like that. But I think nostalgia definitely plays a factor in certain things. Uh-huh. And I just don't have literally any for old horror movies. I have zero nostalgia. So I'm really just watching it. And then at the end of it, I don't have any external feelings about it. It's just what I got from it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've seen Halloween, I've seen The Shining, The Shining I love, um, the, the thing I really love, but like, like I haven't seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I haven't seen The Exorcist, I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, I haven't seen all these kind of classics. What about Evil Dead? Oh, I love Evil Dead, but that's because it's like, I'm a big fan of style and mm. that just oozes it, dude. And Evil Dead 2 is even better to me because it's like, oh, absolutely. this is like cranked up to 15, not even 11. This is like a 15 stuff starts going crazy. I'm like, dude, I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's what takes it to the next level for me is when it's like, I was like, holy crap, dude, Sam Raimi's got, and that's why I'm a little sad that he hasn't directed anything recently. At Isn't least, he doing something soon? He is, he is. I think, um, I'm not super excited. For, he's from the writers of another horror movie that I don't really have anything super attached to. So we'll see. I'm excited to see it. But he also did like Oz the Great and the Powerful, which wasn't that great. Yeah, it's just looking at his resume yeah, just, is really weird. Yeah, I, I hope he comes he, back to form. But he, I think he just likes producing now, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but dude, Evil Dead 2. I need to watch Army of Darkness. I haven't seen it yet. What do you like more? Uh, I mean, watch it. Yeah. Maybe even watch uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead 2 because that's a lot of fun. Um, but as of right now, Evil Dead Two or Spider Man Two? Spider Man Two. I know you're you're very Spider Man Two. Well, good. that's got that external feelings too, dude. Spider Man's <laughs> literally you're lying to yourself if you don't think Spider Man's one of the greatest fictional characters ever created. I think it's the the best. Uh, one of the best. That's bold. I think it's the best. Uh, do I say it's the best superhero ever created? He is. He is. I kind of feel that. I mean, obviously everybody loves Batman. Batman's great. I just feel like you're Batman's missing my number two. Yeah, I think that's one and two. I completely agree with what you. What I think, and I love stories that you're able to uh, um, kind of tell in the Batman universe and stuff like that, but there's something special about 
Spider-Man. And yeah, it's the relatable factor and everything, but the way, like he's like the, in the of course, I know people love Superman and stuff like that. And you know what? Superman has his pros and cons for me too. But like Spider-Man, it's like, for me, he's just the pure embodiment of a hero where it's like his freaking life could suck, but he's still going to go out there and save the day because that's what he needs to do. And, you know, some people, and like people, some, I've talked to people that are like, well, his powers, you know, he does like, look at Superman. He can pick up a, like a building and stuff like that. It's like, I don't care what his powers are. Like, that's why I love Batman. He doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. It's because he's putting himself in harm's way. Like, that's why Batman's so great too. It's like, he doesn't have anything. He's putting himself in harm's way to protect other people. I think where that's... Spider-Man goes out and it's like, yeah, I love when he gets destroyed by the villain, but he still beats him. But at the end, his suit's all destroyed. I freaking love that, dude. I eat it up every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time, I love that. I think both of their dynamics are really interesting because you kind of get both sides of it. You get Spider-Man, who everybody somehow relates to. And you get Batman, who does the complete opposite. Like, he doesn't relate to anyone. And that's not his job is to relate with anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's still interesting that somebody who's so different than just the regular population, the Gotham City yeah. as a whole, and he still protects them. Like for, Exactly. You know. And that's why it's my one and two, because I feel like um, Spider-Man kind of, you know, struggles with these real-world issues, but he's still somewhat content in his life, and he enjoys being Spider-Man most of the time, and he likes going out and saving people and because that's, like, his goal. And what's interesting about Batman is – to everyone else, he should have everything, mm-hmm. but he's just not happy. And he decides that he's going to try to make it possible that people don't need to go through the thing that made him this way, which I think is awesome because you get the person that doesn't have anything but goes out and is a hero, and you have someone that has everything that isn't happy with it and goes out and is a hero. That's why they're my one and two, and I think that you know people sleep on superheroes sometimes. And I think that especially recently since they've just been proven to make the freaking print money mm-hmm. that um, a lot of times people don't either see these stories that are crafted or we're not guess- getting the best stories possible that are like, cause these they're like basically these Greek myths that you can basically form with these guys. And I love, I forgot who said, I think it might have even been Zack Snyder or someone that was involved with one of his movies where it's like, yeah, it's like these old fables. It's like, has that same principle where it's like you get these general themes through it, but you're using it with these basic gods to a certain extent you know and i freaking i freaking love that about superheroes and that's why spider-man will always have a place in my heart and that's why i enjoyed suspiria i was just thinking i'm like wow my mom's probably like what the hell are they talking about spider-man I'm, I'm excited i know that she her one of her favorites of the last decade is the new one i'm super excited to check that out now i love don't, dakota johnson don't I love you Tilda Swinton. i mean no i don't but it's on prime video gotcha so well, technically i do somebody Tyler, Tyler owns does. it. Tyler Bourne does. And I think he wants to watch it with me. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Because uh, he watched it with me as well. Yeah. And that's um, what he said. He said, I watched it with Luca. Now I got to watch it with you. And I was uh, like, oh, okay. It all makes sense now. But then uh, some part of me wants to just throw it on when I get home, you know? It's It's got one of the best freaking scenes ever. I'm excited. It's insane. Like, it's so disturbing. Like, awesome. I wouldn't be surprised at all if I end up liking this one better. I kind of do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to watch them both because it, it maybe it is a little long, but um, yeah, I don't know. I love Luca Guadagnino or however you pronounce his name too. So I'm excited to see what he because the only movie I've seen by him is Call Me by Your Name, and this is like literally completely different than that. So I'm excited to see what he does with the direction. See right there, my heart just fluttered and then just crashed to the ground. And I also love Luca Saucy Daddy. There you go. Um, no, but we'll actually probably be in the same boat because I'm watching Call Me by Your Name for the first time. 
So we're getting a little double the, taste the, of the reverse. We're getting a little uh, taste of Luca, and then on the side, a little sprinkle on top. Luka Doncic is out there fucking killing, killing the it. game. So I get youngest you, MVP. You're getting the all three Lucas at the same time. Either way, um, before I let you go, uh, I want to get your thoughts on one more thing. You're wearing a Pixar shirt. We've talked about animated movies throughout the podcast. My favorite thing about Pixar is that they just each story seem, most of the time seems so original. You know, they cover, it seems like everyone's different. You get superheroes, you get fish, you get monsters, you get cars. They just go out, they check off these lists, they mm-hmm. get emotions. Yeah. You know, they've kind of done everything. What's one thing that they haven't done that you'd like to see? I see it, man. I don't know. These guys are geniuses there, and they freaking come up with the best things. Pitch me your Pixar idea. What if there was a Pixar movie Okay. about making a movie? Uh-oh. That's how I'm going to end it. Okay. But if it was like a filmmaker... Okay. And then something supernatural or something happens. And I think we may be kind of getting this with Soul, which gets me excited. But, like, something in that vein um, with the arts and stuff like that. Um, I think, yeah, a filmmaker or something like that or a writer mm-hmm. um, that has to deal with something. Um, I really like Inside Out as well because there was a lot of just realistic stuff in that movie that as was well. heavy. Coco? Come on, dude. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, not forgetting your loved ones but yeah i think i don't know yeah i i also was gonna say like i mean they've done plenty but i'd love to see like whatever different take they do for a love story again Mm -hmm. i think that'd be awesome well yeah of course for you of course for me but like what like i don't know well i mean they can come up with a million things better than i could but i'm gonna give out filmmaker i'm gonna give out a creative like a creative person and then i'm also gonna say love story find a way find a way you're going to be working there one day. What would you say? There's way Oh, yeah. People. I can't wait to mop the floors at Pixar, and I'll be the happiest person on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'll probably see you there. But um, yeah, You'll we'll be, be the chef. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll wave. Say, so, yeah, we sp- we had an accident, and uh, can you clean that up for us? Um, uh, yeah, but I'll be right over. But, Take uh, a little peek in the door. Ooh, we got Toy Story 5. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bring out an executive of their food and then have, like, my script. Is their napkin? Yeah, I'd be like, oh, how did that get? Oh, well, that's dessert. (laughs) (laughs) And they say, oh, yeah, I don't eat dessert. And they throw it away. And then you cry. I cry. I cry. No. Thank you, Nate, for coming on the pod. Of course. Uh, I know you're intimidated after looking at the list, but that wasn't as bad as you thought, right? No, not at all. I had a lot of fun. Well, we're an hour and a half in. Are you kidding me? My last one was two and a half hours. We busted through it. Um, It's almost like I played by the rules of the pod, but. What is there to do, you know? Yeah, no that's, kidding. That's what I came here to do. Um, I'd be on your podcast. I honestly love doing this fan questions thing. So if anybody listening wants um, to throw out any just questions that are just ridiculous, I'd love to hear it and love to throw them out there. Yeah, and I even love the fact that, of course, some of these are specific to me. But mm-hmm. even just, like you said, just general questions I think could be fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, just anything. Um, or if you have any questions for me, I don't care. Ask those too. No one has that for you, Luca. Okay. Well, um, I just want to end by saying uh, I know you're listening, Ma, and I love you, and I hope you're feeling better. I love you too, Mamacita. Mamacita.